welcome to a new episode of DevSecOps Talks. It's me, Matthias, Julian, and Andre. Hello, my friends. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. Andre, you're feeling warm, cold? Uh, well, it's been two weeks in Sweden, and I then, well, the first week was nice. It was <laughs> plus 10 degrees. We did a little bit of, actually, I worked outside a day. Yeah. We did some grilling, we walked around. But last week, it's pretty much cold, like about around zero. And if you yeah. check AccuWeather, it's zero, but feels like minus six. And I'm telling you, it feels like minus six. <laughs> At the yeah. time, it snows. And at the same time, like the people I know from Gran Canaria, they just realized I left. And they like texting me, like, why did you left? <laughs> I'm asking the same question. Like, why yeah. did they do that? But it's let's not get April. into this. No, it's, it's called April's weather, you know. One time, well, like, some minutes are like 10 degrees plus, and you feel like it's warm, and then it just changes and starts snowing, and it feels like 10 minus. Yeah, there is a, another Swedish joke about the summer. Yeah. Last summer was really great, but I have been working that Saturday. <laughs> have you been working on any new stuff Andre that you want to share well let me think I've been doing Jenkins like blast from the past but yeah. I had to do a Jenkins upgrade yeah. Yeah. but the good thing is about Jenkins is that like all those bright creative minds who change it a lot they now move to Jenkins X yeah. And Jenkins itself is quite stable, actually. It works. There are like security <laughs> patches, small improvements, but nothing groundbreaking. And now you don't really have to be on top of that to, you know, to follow everything. You just upgrade and generally things just work. So, yeah, it's kind of nice when people leave software alone. Yeah. Boring is good. It, it it is. I mean, I I, I do journaling, and uh, I use the app for that, and it's changing all the time. They they make me feel seventy years old because like there used to be a button here, now it's some other menu, yeah. for one God knows what reason. Hmm. And you know, I have my my own things that I like to have a location every node precise. So I would usually go and check. That yeah, it is so. But uh, two releases ago, they changed, they moved that, so I have to do a three clicks to get to that menu. Uh-huh. Made my life painful, and uh, and then they removed the edit bu- edit location button. And that was end for me. I, I basically wrote them on Twitter like, "What's going on?" And they told me, "Well, we removed that button, but now we added the search location button. So it pretty much does the same as an edit location button. It's just not super what? straightforward. Yeah. Plus, if you click, if you if you tap on that obscure right corner over there, you will get straight to the map. And you look at that corner, and you have no idea that it's even tappable. Oh boy." Oh man, just write text file. Just write into text file. You'd be you'd be much better. I'm actually using it only for for two reasons. It acts like a Facebook. So every day it tells me like two years ago you wrote this, three years ago you wrote that. So I could like review yeah. 
this day across all the years before. Now I have like six years. It's actually getting quite interesting to see how things work. And uh, another thing is like build the map of the nodes where I took them. So it's ah, cool. uh, also across your life. Where you been? Where you been? But I, Otherwise, uh, I think uh, Google and NASA, NSA, NSA had that map and notes on you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Uh, I'm just continuing my uh, my Kafka and uh, dgraph. I set up dgraph now to test some uh, notes and graphs. Hard to learn, but I think it's getting better. Also, some influx to server for useful wow. time series hoping i can get some good like bidding uh, data into that one we'll see how it goes basically i will, I will keep you posted Julian? yeah and yeah any deployment story you want to share deployment story uh, no not really. <laughs> <laughs> i i know the feeling uh, i know the yeah, feeling yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I ask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can uh, maybe share later. Let's see how it goes. Have to work first. <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. What have have you been? Anything you want to share from? Yeah. So lately, I've been looking into scaling security because yeah. you know, with with the podcast and all, we got some questions from people time to time, and the, you know, if you if you think about it from from a global perspective like if you look at the whole company and you look at the code base how much of that code is actually business logic it's it's ridiculously small right it's you you are just imagine you put all the code you have if you have infrastructure as code you you have like your kubernetes manifest your configuration file you know all the fluff around uh, you know serializing and deserializing messages yeah. Uh, formatting data and so on and so forth. And the business logic is really, really small. And I feel that it, it it's hard to prioritize, you know, hey, we, we need to work on that tool and, and everything. And so I, I've been looking into scaling security because that's the, the it's such a pain point for everyone. Yeah. Like I, I haven't really met uh, or seen a company that says, hey, we do security and be quite happy with it. Uh, it's more like, yeah, no, we make it work. And I wanted to touch on that because it's like, okay, first of all, what does scaling means? And if you think about it, let's take like a a village, you know, it's it's a hundred people. There's probably more animals than people there. It has a few roads, you know, just a basic, basic infrastructure. Um, But then you move to a city and it's like 10,000 people. And even though a city and a village, they, they serve the same purpose, which is where people live, they are completely different things. They have completely different infrastructure. They have completely different, um, you know, architecture of things. Um, now, imagine you move to mega city, like I'm talking Tokyo, New York, you know, those, those kind of huge, huge city. They are also completely different. Like they, they're even going vertical because... You know, there is not enough space. It's it's difficult. In those cities, you don't count by meters. You count by the, the, the walking time, the walking distance, because you, you cannot take a car. You can, you have to basically orient yourself uh, through some building or something. And so 
those things, even though they, they are more or less the same, they are completely different thing. And it, it's kind of the same for systems, right? You, you start with your simple startup with you have one product, then it's probably like a monolithical application and you scale it, you, you're just happy, you know, you can still buy more hardware to, to cope with the load. And, you know, it all works fine. But then you start go, growing and growing and suddenly you have to break things down and you introduce microservices because that's the only purpose of microservices. You know, if, if you're 10 people and you're doing microservices, I really, I really feel sorry for you because it's so much work for, for what you gain. But yeah, microservices is basically shipping your organizational charts so that, you know, two teams can work on different things and still ship features. And when it comes to security, I, I find that, you know, the, this kind of uh, uh, supply chain attack are getting more and more common. So y y I, I open the news and all I see is that, oh, this uh, company got hacked because of a supply chain attack. And yeah, Andre. Yeah, have, have you, you seen the hacked? news? <laughs> no, but <laughs> there was a supply uh, it's a recent use from the day we record. It's uh, Monday, 26th of April. The code cough had uh, supply chain attacks, slipped through it. And uh, if I saw the news correctly, they even managed to get their hands on the HashiCorp signing key. Ooh. That's not good. Like the stuff that you sign your software with. Yeah. So this is what they say. Uh, HashiCorp was impacted by a security incident with a third party called COF that led to potential disclosure of sensitive information. As a result, the GPGK used to release signing and verification has been rotated. Mm -hmm. This is what they say. Customer who verify HashiCorp release signatures may need to update their processes to use the new key. Yeah. I see. And so, so this you know, is where yeah, yeah. You you were you were all happy with your stack and then suddenly you have to update and you're like, oh no. And and, and this is why security is, is hard. It's unpredictable and it, it has like a certain you know certain fact that you have to cope with. And usually you're not in the right state of mind if you're a developer and you're just trying to ship. Having having to fix those issues first are are just like deviate you from from your main goal, right? Yeah. So it's it's kind of like a yeah. So it has to start from code, you know, like sign your commit, make a, scan your code for vulnerabilities. If you're using container, just use a tool that just package uh, your container into the smallest you know container possible with, to reduce the vector attack. Uh, the attack vector, sorry. And, you know, you can even scan your containers once they are built. Because if you just build from Ubuntu or, you know, if you just introduce uh, Nginx or something, th those have, you know, CVEs, which is um, common vulnerability and exposure that, you know, anybody can exploit. And it's really, e it's not easy, easy, but it it's quite straightforward once you know, your container is a vulnerability to gain access to your cluster. And then from there, you can, you know, escalate your credentials. 
Yo, so just wanted to, to tell, like, you know, CVE, right? There is a CVE report. Someone found a security issue, and then there is a CVE being issued, describing the describing what is the problem. And uh, there are responsible disclosures when people would contact the vendor first, give vendor enough time uh, to patch and notify the users. That's why it's important that you have a channel communication with your vendor. And if you use open source project, you also follow their releases and keep a keep a finger on the pulse, making sure that you are aware of the security patches they do and patch accordingly. But yeah. what I wanted to say is that if you take CV number and go to GitHub and start to look for proof of concept, there is a good chance that you will actually find ready to use script that will help mm-hmm. you to to exploit the issue. Yeah, indeed, uh-huh. it's uh, and that's what I mean. It's quite straightforward to get those uh, to exploit those vulnerabilities. Yeah, and so you know, it, it comes down to first of all something like certificates. Certificates are quite hard to explain, but I, I will try my best. A certificate, it's a public key signed with a name. So you have a name, a public key, and those are signed together. So they, they prove the authenticity or the, the, the identity of the person hold, of the public key. Yeah. And that is very useful because it, it allows, um, you know, if you prove your, your identity, you can do authorization on that identity on the server side. So if website works like that, it's... Um, or if you do service-to-service communication, you can prove that the service is actually the one that is calling you, yeah. and that allows for you know much better security. So certificate, PKI, public key infrastructure, are are something that you don't see very often. But I'm pretty sure every company out there has some uh, SFTP set up somewhere, and those are still in use because you know like most financial system still work like that it's it's easy it's old it's convenient it has audit logs you can you know it, it, it's battle tested so it's still in use it would be nice to shift to some more like a higher hub the, hub the stack like https or something yeah i mean and, and certificates has become so much easier to use these days i mean the time before we had less encrypt that can like automatically get keys for us and and you know, i mean Review and resign them every three months is much more simple today. It's just like automating a cluster. And with service mesh and those tools, you can have mutual TLS inside the cluster with certificates all rotated and working. Before this, it was a hassle keeping track of certificates, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And oh, there's tools like HatcherCorp Vault that provides users with PKI capabilities. Exactly. So, the- like the yeah, they, they they very much like help you to get set up and and you know s- secure your infrastructure. I, I think it's it's quite important, but it takes time, right? I, I'm sure of the three of us is Andre that know Ashikov Vol the best, and I wouldn't be you know super. I would need to look things up even for myself because I'm not used to that uh, that product. So it's more like getting getting good at at those things takes time and. Um, unfortunately, are not always prioritized. But if you think about it, like a, a simple, a simple problem like logging, 
um, once you have a, a monolithic app, it's okay. You you can you know log because everything is the same place. You you know where it's coming from. But if you have like microservices, your logging is growing exponentially because for every transaction in the system, you're logging twice. You know the serving is calling, the serving that's receiving. And imagine that uh, you know plus all the the networking stuff and all the error that you can get. So, so the, the cost of logging is actually going to kill people much earlier than the, the technical limitation. And, and I'm not even talking about, you know, the cost of storing them and the, the networking, uh, it, it, it just querying them. It, it, it takes a lot of work. And so there might be like better alternative to that. And also, you know, it's like a build or buy. When you talk about scaling, you know, you have your compute, your memory, your storage, your networking, but security is never there. It's more like uh, this. this uh, no, we of course we do security, but it's never in in the like the primary state because they say security is a journey. You have to go um, to continuously work on it. Unless you are. In a compliant industry, right? Unless you have to do GDPR, HIPAA, PCI DSS, and then it's quite high on your list. Saying the states, the government, they they regulate certain spaces that are kind of important and make sure. And by doing so, they're bringing up priority for the companies, right? If Definitely. it's not regulated, if there is no requirement then it is for sure it's low on the list. But then states come in and say, well, oh, now we want you to care of that because if it's not done right, then someone's personal information might get leaked. Or like now Europe discussing a set of laws to restrict how artificial intelligence might be used. Yeah. Hello to you, European startups. Because like there's gonna be nothing like that in US and China, and they're just gonna yeah. like take off, and it will yeah. be really hard to build something in Europe, I think, if the, something like that is being passed. I mean, you have to balance innovation and uh, and the restriction because if you get too much too restrictive, then it's hard to innovate. It's a it's a balance act, right? Yeah, that's for sure. I, I mean, the same the same with security. I mean, completely secure system is a system that you disable, but then it doesn't bring any money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's kind of like the point, yeah. you know, it's it's all also, but yeah, and, and which bring me to the point, like in the cloud, you, you set up your security uh, model as, you know, by using the cloud primitive, you know, the, the service account, the access control and everything. And I believe this is the real lock-in. This is the cloud lock-in that everybody is afraid of because those are not uh, abstracted away. Like you, you cannot really do, uh, you know, a, a cross cloud, uh, you know, single pane of glass that you can manage everything because each cloud has its own kind of flavor of doing things. It, it, they're doing more or less the same, but that more or less is the same as the village in the mega city. You know, it's sometimes they provide you some level of granularity that you don't have in other clouds. And that, that brings things um, a little bit complicated. And yeah, I, I'm specializing into GCP. And to, to be honest, I love it. Like security-wise, it has been 
like very straightforward. They are very security focused. They help you. We are like um, there is a feature that is a, a recommendation engine. So they tell you which roles a service account has or hasn't used. So you can apply the principle of least privilege to that one and say, hey, you haven't used that role to write to a bucket for you know the last three months. Let's remove that. And you know it, it's very experience based. And I think we need more tools like that to tell you, hey, you you might have something that is uh, too high, uh, too high privilege for that. Yeah. Uh, same for containers. Like it, basically, if I see that uh, an application writes to the disk inside the container without any volume or something, it, it something is wrong. You understand? Like th- this should not happen because your logging should happen in in standard output. Uh, and if you if the container reboots, the disk is gone. So it the, it makes no sense to to write inside the container yet. Most of the container out there have that uh, flag enabled that they can write to the disk, to the disk inside the container, mm-hmm. and, and that's kind of a, also a sign. Um, and it's very much tied up to observability. So you have to monitor those things to to be aware of that. Um, yeah, it's uh, also while hiring. I'm pretty sure very few companies has you know, a security hiring or a security question in your hiring, uh, in their hiring process. Yeah. Just, uh, just raise my hand. There's a button in the program we use to raise my hands. So I'm actively using that one. It's really fun. Right? Yeah. And, uh, and um, I just want to get us back a little bit to one of the episodes we did. And I, I cannot really tell that the number, but we, once we spoke about the, our dreams for monitoring, right? And yeah. there I had a tirade where I would say, where I said, why there is no, no like, you know, pre-configured monitoring stuff. And uh, after thinking, you just brought me back to this, Julian, now, like with all uh, this observability talk. Actually, after thinking a little bit more, I think we do have a system like that. So if you install Prometheus operator and if you use node exporter everywhere, Prometheus actually comes with a bunch of pre-configured rules that can, that looks for like a disk, for the memory, for CPU usage, and then through Alert Manager it can uh, alert you. So it's a system that you just deploy and then it works. So I just wanted to correct myself in the past a little bit. Well, well, and, uh, too late. Yeah, and what 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 type of the security questions would you ask on the interview, Julian? That's a very good question. I, I don't have one on top of my mind, but it's more like, a, yeah, okay, one is what is a certificate? You know, can you explain to me what is a certificate? Just to see if they understand the concept of public key infrastructure. And it's just like, or explain to me, what, well, actually, a few years ago, I passed an interview where they asked me, how would you secure that service? And... It was quite interesting because I, I explained, yeah, with, you know, you need some kind of token. And basically, I reinvented OAuth, uh, <laughs> which, which was not, uh, you know, it's probably not the, the best uh, time to reinvent something. But it, it made sense to me. Like, it, it made sense to, to have some kind of token that identify you or, you know, a certificate, basically. And, you know, to, to have something that show, okay, 
do you do the kind of like the the castle model where you you secure the whole thing with the water around it, or do you do and check every room who has access to that one? And and, and that's the mentality. It it's, it shouldn't be a dismissive question. Like people should not be uh, you know thrown out if they answer one or the other, but just to see like how how do they think about security, yeah. how mindful how mindful they are about it. So what what question would you ask? That would be interesting to know. Really, really. I think I think you're right on this with 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 Cloudfire. It's so much easier when you build a like immutable infrastructure to set up the right access to resources, and then you deploy and then you use that. I mean, you don't need to change it, and if you're going to change it, it's scripted. So then you can keep them like as as small as possible, only to what you need. I think that's a great approach. That's what I like more and more. Cloud provider. Also, there are like. I like the integration with Cloud Friday. I mean, HashiCorp Vault, I mean, it's connected with AWS, so it's unsealed automatically with keys and stuff. It works so nice. And it it's like add that layer of security to your deployment. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but also, I, I see what, what I'm trying to work with also with, with, with the team that I have developers, for example, in in the cluster now we set up like uh, merge request builds. So when you do like a merge request, we take that application, we deploy it to the cluster, and and I mean the developer can test their their stuff. Uh, but th- this also means I get the application running before it hits master. And when I have the application running inside the cluster, well I can scan the Docker image. I can do like vulnerability scanning on that one. I can do sonar scans. And now I'm getting like results on the on the code on the image before it's even hitting master, and I can ping the developer back because they're sitting there with a the laptop idea probably already open and config files ready and can say hey hey do you know what you're working on this right now, check this security as well, and that, that's uh, I think how, how I'm trying now to building security uh, in in the beginning. Uh, for, that's for a the very good I'm example. Working. Yeah. You know, Jordan, like, a... going back to a question, what, what would you ask on the interview, right? Mm-hmm. I, th- I think you don't have to go that deep asking, like, what certificate is. And you might argue it's, a, like, a surface question, but still, just ask a person how he's dealing with his password. Does he have MFA for his, I don't know, LinkedIn or Facebook account, what have you? And that will yeah, give true. you the, all the answers you need. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, the, the person who has security in mind, they will start protecting themselves and ha- will have a system to deal with the passwords, authorization, with MFA, with you know, additional emails, and so on and so on. You can tell oh. from that. Because the, the person who yeah, is working on security, he will be that person will be very mindful about his personal security. So you just True. ask about their personal security, and that will give you an exposure and a behavior of that person. Yeah, that's very true. I think it's uh, it's very reflect how the, the person works, um, you know, can be impacted with their security mindset, which is also, you know, why sometimes, like, some services are used I, I use them because I don't have the time to, you know, host something myself or, you know, go deep into the technical. I just want something that, that solves my problem. And it's more like, uh, 
<laughs> I mean, even if you get if you need to get a loan from a bank, right? You you go with the one that gives you the best rate. You don't start asking questions about their security. And you you know, it, it's a little bit about the it's not like nobody cares. They cares when there is a problem. When there is no problem, it's a very ungrateful uh, job, kind of. That, yeah, of course, things are secure. That's what we expect. And I think we need to spend a little time appreciate appreciate uh, the work that people trying to secure our data. All right, Julian. So back to the topic: How do you scale security? Well, the the first thing is really to start bu- building it early. Like you, you need a you know a way to add and remove and control and see who has access to what. And so on Google Cloud, what I use is um, also the cloud asset inventory. So it, it basically lists everything that you have in your cloud infrastructure and your cloud account, and from there you can store it to a database and query it and see and even visualize. What is there? Um, the, because the thing is that we, with just a service account, you cannot see what that service account is accessed to for security, obvious security reason. Like, imagine somebody found that on, you know, a developer pushed the credentials on on GitHub or something. You find that a service account, or you know, you don't want them to know what this is access to because this is like the the door open to so many problems. Mm-hmm. So it's actually to keep track. Oh, it, it's a job of security to keep track of who is access to what and also monitor how often do they access it. Because I'm pretty sure that someone who is accessing a critical resource at 2 a.m. in the morning that doesn't have a problem is kind of a sign that something is odd, um, especially if the IP is coming from outside the country or, you know, that, that kind of, of details. And I would say I don't want to, to come with a tool because... Seriously, a tool won't fix a bad process. Um, it, it's really about the, the mentality and the, having, you know, the education. Uh, I mean, every company I've seen, they're doing some kind of a fishy, fake phishing to test the employee, to make them aware, hey, you should not click on links that don't look like they are coming from an employee. Um, and and those, those are good practice. It's just, you know, like a fire drill. You, you need to train people, like... You know, we're doing fire drill for a reason. And one of the easiest fire drill I can think of is, have you ever tested your backup, your database backup? Because ransomware are, are quite common these days. And unless you're ready to pay a few Bitcoin to get your data back, even you're not sure to get them back, it's good to to test those, those backups. So I, I don't say that restoring your backup is part of security. I just say these are the... The risk, the the easiest uh, things you can try to to lower the risk of a ransomware. Yeah, uh, I think you're right, and also things like starting with security early. So like that's what we're trying to do with DevSecOps, starting early. I'm trying to get security in as early as possible in the process, but I'm also trying to like, I mean, apply security when it's needed, right? And there are tools that can help you now. For example, uh, my Elasticsearch now. When I work with it locally, there's no TLS, there's no auth. It's just a plain open Elasticsearch. It's super simple to work with as a developer because you can shoot at it, right? Mm -hmm. But they have new security. But when I deploy it to the cluster, right, Mm -hmm. I can set up mutual TLS with a service mesh. 
and secure that the client can talk with the server and the communication is encrypted, right? Yeah. You get a better security in production and when I'm running it, but locally it's much simple to work with because I don't have to work with all this username and password and keys and stuff, right? Yeah. So I think that's a great idea as well. I mean, add security when it's needed for developers early, remove it if it's not needed there. I mean, if there are tools that can solve it later better then just, just skip it i mean it's no f- yeah. point enforcing uh, security just uh, because you have to and like it's, it's meant to be in the beginning definitely and that's why i i, I mean also I, I also advocate for people working on monitoring early you know to get you get everything set up early and yeah. when you're doing security it's not that far off like you've done the monitoring what you know, add a few more security-related uh, metrics that you want to see, such as you know, like who has access to what, and and you know, work with those data. It's uh, make it easy for people to ask for permission and make it easy to remove those permission to the people that you know should manage access to those resources. So it, it's all about uh, user friendliness, like how easy it is to see what we have access, you know, how easy it is to ask for more access, how easy it is to remove some of the access. Because uh, many times if you switch companies and you realize two years later, you still have access to that, you know, monitoring dashboard or, you know, sometimes even prod database, and they never change the password because it's the password. <laughs> and uh, yeah. that's a little bit, you know, it, it, yeah, it, the DevOps way is really, if you're not good at something, do it often yeah, and you, exactly. you will get good at it. And, and that's why, that's the message on the scaling security is to do it often. Make it a priority. Oh, what you're saying is pretty much the same thing as usual. Enumerate, audit, make a risk analysis, define what is important, Defend that well. Well, builds keep build a build a layered security, right? So, something that is not as important has less levels of security. Something that is very very important, something that you could could harm your business or cause the company being finalized by the government because they're breaking some regulations or not compliant with that. That you could defend, right? So, yeah. pretty much the same, but start early. Repeat often and uh, focus on uh, developer friendliness. I think we're actually getting with that one. Now there is a huge proliferation of SSO, right? So you could use Mm -hmm. like SSO anywhere and then you just have like one source of truth and you remove that person from there. And with the tools that the cloud, that the HashiCorp is building now, Boundary, the Cloudflare has solutions for the for the zero trust networking, it's all tied down to the single source of truth. And you, when you remove yeah. person from there, mm-hmm. person gets loses access to your cloud, gets loses access to your servers, and so on and so on. Plus, it's all dynamic, so it's not that hard to ask people and remove people. It's not that hard to audit. I believe we're getting there yeah. when it comes to tooling. So it's getting better and better. Yeah. And I think we're sort of end of time. So 
Julian, do you want to have a last word on? No, I th- I think I think Andre sum- summed it up pretty good. Yeah. Uh, it, it's all it's always the same. Like, uh, yeah. yeah, know what you're working with. Make the the objective clear. Uh, keep working toward it, and you'll get there. Yeah. Then I think we will uh, end today's episode with with that. Thank you for for listening, and stay tuned for more shows and notes on the webpage devsecops.fm Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. You have been listening to the DevSecOps podcast with Matthias Andre and Julian. For more podcast and notes go to the webpage devsecops.fm Thanks for tuning in.